Greetings. Welcome to the Asna Kitchen Podcast. I'm David Garig. And I uh, just want to let you know about my uh, second series online workshop that's coming up uh, April 17th and 18th. I'd uh, love to have you join in on that. It's kind of at all levels and um, has some nice offerings in it. And so you can find out about it on my website. And you can do the class live with me or uh, on your own time with the recorded version. So today's topic is a really good one. Um, me and Bunny are here. <laughs> Bunny, my sidekick, always here. The little yogi. Um, so uh, the, the title is Avoiding the Trap of Perfectionism. Okay, and um, so having some really stimulating talks uh, and a lot of thoughts percolating coming up from my practical practice talks um, session that's happening. And the most recent talk was um, how to master a pose and a series. And so like the subject of mastery brought up the idea of perfectionism, which yeah, is uh, interesting that interesting, but not surprising, right? That um, that because part of mastery is like seeking excellence or setting a high standard or in trying to perfect you know, your pose and your series and and yoga itself is about um, trying to perfect your whole being and also to contemplate um, this spiritual dimension where the like the the author of the universe is is described as infinite and pure and flawless and right not involved in karma so not um, not making mistakes and we're kind of aspiring to that aspiring to be like that and or to know that or experience that so a student asked me and says, um, can you become hyper-conscious of achieving the ideal pose to the point that it neg negatively affects practice? And how may that manifest in the physical and or spiritual avenues of practice or postures? So that's the subject. As, and, I'm, um, and, and the title is How to Avoid the Trap. So like perfection is, you could say, like the middle even though it's it sounds like an extreme word, but that's what we're going to explore today. So it's like, um, where is the middle, and what is on either side of the middle? And to me, perfectionism is on one side of the middle, you could say, and then um, complacency, or um, just being satisfied with pretty good um, would be on the other side of the middle. And you could say that there's nothing wrong with pretty good. Pretty good is better than bad, right? But I'm going to argue that in, in yoga, if you take up a yoga practice, that in somewhere in your life, you want to excel. Okay? You want to go more than pretty good. And you, so you want to raise your standard. And this is why 
This is exactly why the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, so it has its six um, speedy keys to speedy success in yoga. And the very first two, it's quite astounding to me, but the very first two of the six, the very first two are courage and daring. <laughs> right? The, it's a very unexpected thing for me, but, but very fitting if you really consider what yoga is about. Okay, and so courage is, uh, well, it's the ability to control fear and deal with something that is dangerous, difficult, or unpleasant. Okay, and to be, so, the, so dig that. Just uh, control fear and deal with something that's dangerous, difficult, or unpleasant. And um, daring is to be adventurous or uh, audaciously bold. Right? And audacious is showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks or boldly unconventional. So, and this is what is needed for success in yoga, courage and daring, bravery, right? And you don't have to search far to find out, to, to understand what it, part of how you're going to need to apply that courage. Right? Because the very fact that you're going to put yourself up against a standard um, brings, brings danger, right? That there's and difficulty and, um, and sometimes unpleasant. Okay, so, and this idea of, of perfectionism uh, enters into it. So let's look at, just look for a minute at the word. Um, Okay, so actually, let's no. Let's look at the word, the definition of perfection. Okay, so it's it's the condition, state, or quality of being free, free from, or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. Okay, and being free from all flaws or defects. So without even going into perfectionism, right? Because that's a specific thing that we're going to talk about. Um, but that, this definition of perfection to me is not particularly inviting, okay? To be, I mean, the, certainly the quality of being free from all flaws or defects is uh, the one definition of, of ideal is that it's um, not, that it might be desirable, but not likely or possible to happen, not, not likely to happen or impossible to achieve, right? And, and so it's like, yeah, you don't take it that seriously because how, is it, how are you ever going to be completely flawless or free from defects? Okay, but listen to the second definition of perfection. So it's the action or process, the action or process of improving something until it is... Uh, faultless or as faultless as possible. Okay, so to me, there you have something. That's something in my practice that I, I can work with. The, the action of improving something, okay? Until it's as faultless as possible. All right, 
so th that I can work with. Okay, and this is partly how to avoid the trap of perfectionism. See, and that's why I'm bringing this podcast to, to you. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of opening up this conversation that needs to happen, I feel like. And, um, <clears throat> but I'm also giving, pointing ideas, like how to avoid perfectionism. Okay, and um, I guess let's just go ahead and define this perfectionism at this point, too. So, for one, in the dictionary, it's not exactly a negative thing just as it's defined. So, it's a, it, it's a personal standard, attitude, or philosophy that demands perfection and rejects anything else. So, that's the dictionary definition. But then I went into like the kind of perfectionism is a, it's basically a psychological term. It's, it's turned into a thing. People use it in its, in its own way. It's become a thing, right? Yeah, we all know it. And in fact, it, it even says that um, perfectionist tendencies are on the rise among recent generations of young people. Okay? And so, as a psychological term, it's a trait that makes life an endless report card on accomplishments or looks. Okay, an endless report card on accomplishments or looks. And, and it says it, it, when it's positive, it can be like self-motivating and drive you to overcome adversity and achieve success. And this is part of the, like we can go through these kind of um, cycles of working with, um, st like striving to be excellent. And in practice, Discovering practice can be exactly that, just as they described it. This um, very self-motivating and drive you to overcome ad adversity and um, work towards achieving success, right? But then it, like a shadow can creep into our efforts and it can, it can awaken this, um, this trait that makes life an endless report card on, on accomplishments or looks. And then when it's toxic, it says that um, people start focusing on avoiding failure and um, resulting in, the, in a negative orientation. See, I, I think this is really key to the, what would distinguish like trying to perfect something in a positive sense, like the process of improving something and being very um, stubborn and create, uh, creative and also courageous and um, daring with that process or um, turning it over into this um, negative orientation where it says that the negative orientation is like not believing in unconditional love like um, from others, from pe people who love you, right, and from yourself and, and then having um, this expectation that others and one's own affection and approval is dependent upon a flawless performance. And, and so then there's a, what, it's like a negative cycle that happens of critical self-evaluations, okay? too hard on herself, can never be right. And that like working to improve something becomes about getting approval, right? And affection and love, okay? And so then, so critical self evaluations and concerns um, regarding others' evaluations. A lot of concern with what somebody else thinks of us and trying to win approval through um, being really good at something, being flawless. 
And that leads to being concerned with achieving unattainable ideas or unrealistic goals. Okay, and then, um, and this leads to many forms of adjustment problems uh, like depression, low self-esteem, and even suicidal thoughts. Okay, and so it, when, when they say that yoga is, that courage and daring are needed, this is partly, and that when, and courage is the ability to control fear and deal with something that is dangerous or difficult or unpleasant, this is a perfect example of what, what, that, what it means. It's like, why does yoga need courage, right? It's not like um, free climbing or something like that, right? Well, this is exactly why, because it can awaken these types of tendencies in you. And then what's interesting is how these perfectionist um, problems such as depression depression or low self-esteem, they also lead you to hurt yourself in your um, chosen uh, object of perfection, of what you want to perfect, right? And if, if you've experienced this, which I'm guessing that many do and have because of that statement that, that perfectionist tendencies are on the rise among recent generations of young people, and, and it's often um, young, younger people that are um, doing yoga, but it also extends over into um, middle age and getting older too. That we're, so it's definitely not limited to young people, this tendency. Being concerned with achieving unattainable ideas or unrealistic goals happens all the time in yoga. And it ha happens in the way that we approach the postures and the, um, the series. And that's the kind of uh, microcosm because it also happens in um, the larger context of our decision-making and our actions and um, what we're aiming for. It's interesting because the, the sacred texts, they account for this stuff. And you do have to have to look for it, and like the I've talked about it recently in my uh, in these practical practice talks. This quote, and on my last podcast, where I was talking about the juxtaposition between pain and creativity, and there's this um, statement from well, the the Yoga Vashishta is basically like a a text that is pushing you towards um, perfection, okay? It's it, uh, towards mastery, right? And, and let's, let's add a few more words to the idea of perfection. So mastery is um, comprehensive knowledge or skill in a subject, and it's um, control over something, okay? And um, comprehensive means complete or including all elements or all, um, aspects of something, all or nearly all. <laughs> See, and I, I do like that, that when you, when you really look at these words, they, they do give you this, these little outs, which you have to grab onto if you want to have the courage and the daring to enter the waters, okay? Because we're talking about 
See, and this, why this is so dear to me and so important as a student and as a, a teacher is because in some ways we, we have to have a good answer to, um, to going too far with um, striving for excellence or mastery or perfection in yoga. Otherwise, the, the, the shadow elements, right, the, the, falling into perfectionism, like going too extreme, will cause a backlash, which will then lead to the idea of being pretty good is good enough, right? That because who wants to fall into this um, endless report card on accomplishment or uh, right or looks? Who wants to fall into being? constantly too harsh on yourself and like caught up in like being really concerned with what others think of you. Right. And so that mentality of perfectionism can become so prominent in us that we basically become okay with being complacent, with not trying, not being brave or daring. So one of, one of, it's this beautiful thing, what bravery is. Okay, so to be brave is, is ready to face and endure danger or pain. But it's more than that. So courage, a second definition of courage is to be brave and confident enough, brave and confident enough to do what you believe in. See, this is so key to the whole thing, right? That brave and confident enough to do what you believe in. You see, and so in some ways, the universe has set up the condition where there's, you have to walk a razor, razor's edge in order to find fulfillment, uh, meaning, uh, happiness, the good stuff of life, right? And, and there's, there's no way to not walk the razor's edge, right? Because on one side, you're in danger of, like, not acting, and then risking um, not doing what you believe in, not really, right, fully participating in this life. And this is why the Yoga Vashishta even exists, why it's urging you, that it's telling you that self-effort is everything. And yet, there is the line in the Yoga Vashishta, the key line that reminds you, it says, the wise person knows what is and is not possible, attainable through self-effort. You see, and this is where a perfectionist falls down, because what it says is that critical self-evaluations and concerns regarding others' evaluation drives you to be um, concerned with achieving unattainable ideas or unrealistic goals. And so I spend so much time in my teaching trying to help the, you, the student, set realistic goals. And this is where, like, I, I, I advocate for plank over chaturanga. And you could say that the posture doesn't matter in a certain way. Like, but to, I don't agree. To me, the, I, I go by that Bhagavad Gita statement that the discipline and the philosophy are one and the same. That's what the learned know, right? And the, the ignorant think that they're separate. Okay, so, so to me, 
when you repeat a faulty um, pose that's beyond your skill level, beyond your knowledge, then that's, an, that's you uh, being concerned with achieving an unrealistic goal, at, at least in the present moment. Maybe a certain um, um, type of work can get you to uh, the place where that's a realistic goal, that pose, or doing it that way. Or, and this extends to a life thing that we might have like ambitions about work that we want to do, but not realistic about where we are in terms of being able to do that. And this is why I love that, uh, why I don't want to have to throw out the word perfection, like as a as something positive to strive for, right? That it's the action or process of improving something until it's as faultless as possible. Right? That's a reasonable thing. Or um, excellence is the quality of being outstanding or extremely good. Okay, it's not perfect, it's not flawless, but it's outstanding or extremely good. And, and then also the word standard is a good word because it just means a level of quality or attainment. Okay, and, and this is what we want to be able to, we want to be able to swim in these waters in our yoga, in our lives, and not fall prey to the extreme of either way, extreme of going too far and become an endless report card of how we look or what we're do, achieving, or not trying at all, because we're too afraid. And in both cases of both extremes, we can be blind to the fact that we are in those extremes, right? And that's the tricky part, is kind of becoming aware enough and caring enough. So there's a, there's a care aspect to it that is um, needed. And there's this courage and um, daring that it's needed. Um, and daring is such an amazing word. So, so it says adventurous or audaciously bold. And bold is an amazing word. And it says showing an ability to take risks and to be confident and courageous. But then if you look a little further, it's beyond the usual limits of conventional thought or action, imaginative not hesitating to break rules of pr propriety. So there's this unconventional aspect that daring is to be boldly unconventional. And to me, this is one key to, um, to it that's very um, kind of in an ordinary worldly sense that we have to be um, our own person. But, but yoga is also teach, that's yoga's answer to these problems, or one, one answer, right? That the, the idea that we're being overly concerned regarding others' evaluations is a kind of uh, sign of perfectionism, right? That we're meant to be, uh, to, to consult ourselves, And this is one of the reasons that I love this definition of ideal. It's satisfying your own, one's own conception of what is perfect or most suitable or what constitutes very good.
Okay, and so when you're, so that's what you're, what needs to happen in your pose, in your transition, um, in your work on a series, and then taking the, the, that um, laboratory, your microcosm of practice to the macrocosm of your life is the same thing. So there's one solution is to kind of lessen your reliance on the outer world for, for approval and for your vision of what constitutes excellence, right? What's your idea of what is perfect, most suitable, or what constitutes very good, okay? And think of how different those are. And, and it's like it's a, it's a fluid thing. Like some days you're, you're, you're possibly more able, like you're in a mindset where perfect, you can try for perfect, like that it's, there's a, you can have a very high standard without haranguing yourself or falling into uh, these negative aspects. Um, and then other days, it, it's not like that. Perfect is not the way to describe it. It's most suitable. So that's very different, right? Most suitable is a much more forgiving word. It fits, it fits for this moment or for you, the very individual circumstances. And also the word very good is so different than perfect. And you, so you want to be able to use that word. You want to be able to distinguish a difference to go, I'm, I'm trying too hard to make this flawless. Like I need to be more forgiving and very good is what I'm looking for. So the word standard means, yeah, a level of quality or attainment or, and it's also an idea or thing used as a measure or a model in comparative evaluation. And, and I do like this, that you're just, you're using an idea or a thing, like the postures, it's a thing that you're using just as a, as a measure or a model in um, a comparative evaluation. I mean, that's one thing it is, all right? It's, this is one thing. If you look at the other keys to speedy success in yoga, walking a yoga path is quite daunting. It does, t it takes this daring and courage because the other ones are perseverance and discriminative knowledge and um, faith and uh, aloofness for company or um, solitude, okay? And this discriminative knowledge, see, the, and this is what's hard about yoga is that we're, we're kind of constantly seeking to be conscious of who, who we are, what, what we're thinking, what's going on with us. And, and this, is, this is challenging. But yoga's answer to that is um, the Bhagavad Gita gives you some um, hints to that. And it reminds you that just like the, the Yoga Vashishta, that, that self-effort is the key. And in, in the Bhagavad Gita, it calls it action. Okay, and that... That's exactly what the whole Bhagavad Gita is about. It tells you that yoga is skill in action and that, that, we, that we must act. That in the face of whatever challenges, whatever comes our way in life, our best means of meeting it 
is to be kind of proactive, to be uh, not shying away. And like that idea of courage, to be brave and confident enough to do what you believe in. But the idea of action is very sticky, which um, kind of perfectionism is a reflection of that how to act is so challenging, right? And this is what we're exploring in yoga. How am I, what's my best course of action? Because on the one side, I risk like being too inactive, complacent or not trying hard enough, right? But on the other end, I will risk trying too hard, being too active, too uh, messed up in the works, too mixed up in all of it to where I, I can't even judge properly when I've made a very good try. Okay? And, and the Bhagavad Gita says it. Um, what is action? What is inaction? Um, therein, even poets or sages um, are confused. And it says that, so the, the truth about beneficent action has to be understood. And then also about baneful action, baneful action and baneful inaction. And, and it says the path of action is indeed difficult to um, understand, difficult to um, tread. And then... Uh, and then it even give, goes more, even more paradoxical in the whole thing. It says, the one that sees action in inaction and inaction in action is wise among, is a wise person. Okay? Action in inaction and inaction in action. Okay? And then it says, so the, even while accomplishing all actions, this, the wise one remains established in yoga. And, and then it goes further and, and it further describes this and says, the one whose undertakings are all devoid of desires and false imaginings and whose actions have been burned up in the fire of wisdom, they call that one um, wise and adept. Okay, I'm going to read you that same passage with a different um, translation because it's a very interesting passage. So here's a different translation. Are, it says, what are action and inaction? The matter confuses um, even the wise. And it says that, so you must realize what action is, what wrong action is, and inaction. So, so what, what, what action is, what wrong action, what inaction. And, and the true nature of action is profound and difficult to fathom. Okay, and then further it says, with no desire for success. Oh, sorry, excuse me. No, so it goes, so one who can see inaction in the midst of action and action in the midst of inaction is wise and can act in the spirit of yoga. Okay, so with, and then with no desire for success, no anxiety about failure, indifferent to results, the yogi burns up the actions in the fire of wisdom. Okay, and, and remember that in perfectionism, it says that it's toxic because people focus on avoiding failure, resulting in a negative orientation. 
And then, and so here we have with no desire for success and no anxiety about failure, indifferent to results. This is how your actions uh, get burned up in the fire of wisdom. See, it's amazing that the that these texts address this um, kind of modern problem. You know, it's a modern thing, this perfectionism. And yet it's not. It's an ancient problem that everyone that treads the path of yoga has to contend with. And, it, and then the next line, it says, surrendering all thoughts of outcome, unperturbed, self-reliant, the yogi does nothing at all, even when fully engaged in action. See, and it's, see I love this, that the the Gita's putting it in these very deep and profound terms, like, and, and, and making you, you have to really stop and think about it. Like, to the one that sees inaction amidst action, and action within inaction, is the wise one. So, complacency, you could say, or um, kind of holding back, or be, uh, it, it has a positive uh, play out, like that, because partly like um, being patient or waiting or receptive are qualities that, that have a similarity to complacency, right? And, but they're different, they're more positive, right? And so that um, being uh, patient is a way of seeing action and inaction. It's like you're, you're awake, and yet you're not just um, getting busy to get busy, right? And then the reverse, that, um, that when you're really striving, you're trying to make something perfect, you can reach through to this kind of um, inactive place there. That, like the Bhagavad Gita says, that you're, there's no desire for success even though you're in the midst of action, right? You're able to drop your attachment to the result of the action, and that frees you up to act vigorously. See, and, uh, that, and further in that same passage is, there is nothing the yogi expects, nothing um, the yogi fears, Ser serene, for free from possessiveness, untainted, um, and acting with the body alone, uh, and then content with whatever happens, unattached to pleasure or pain, success or failure, the yogi acts and is never bound by their actions. And then it's, the, finally, it's coming to the end here of this little part. It says, when a yogi has let go of attachments, when his mind is rooted in wisdom, her mind is rooted in wisdom, then everything she does is worship. And, the, um, and problems that come from impure actions melt away. Okay? And so, so there you go. And you can see why um, we talked in the way that we talked through the beginning of this podcast and didn't just start with the Bhagavad Gita. Okay? Because... The language that it's put in, it's, it's hard to decipher, like, exactly how that applies to our situation. 
But hopefully now you can actually see that those passages um, help, they, they can really help you to address um, these critical self-evaluations, concerns regarding others' evaluations, and then becoming over-concerned with achieving unattainable ideals or setting unrealistic goals and being attached to those to the point where we get problems, adjustment problems, like hurting oneself and, and depression and low self-esteem. Okay? And, and so lastly, though, I want to... Um, put out to you the the this yoga sutra the number i believe it's 248 very important one that says tato dwandwa anabhigataha and and it's it means that the that the one and it's one of the ones that are pertaining to asana exactly to the subject of the third limb okay and and so partly it's saying that um, Dwandwa is, is opposites, opposing forces, or pairs of opposites. And the typical, uh, typical translation is to no longer be constrained by the pairs of opposites. Okay, and um, the word is um, not anabhigata, um, it's abhigata. And then it's the opposite of, okay? And, and this is important because, so abhigata is to ward off or to drive away, okay? And, and the dwandwa, so this is what we normally do, okay? So th that we normally drive off or drive away or ward off the, this dwandwas, okay? And dwandwa is pair of opposites but it's also, um, Dwandwa is fight. And um, to f so we drive away this fight. And this is exactly the fight that, a big fight that we're fighting in yoga is to the tr avoiding the trap of perfectionism or the trap of complacency, of not acting at all. Okay, and it takes us a long time to get around to accepting the fight. Okay? And, and we, sp we spend a lot of time avoiding or driving away the awarding off, dealing with um, things that are very oppositional within us, pairs of opposites, right? And, and so yoga is to embrace this. And what I mean is, is that we will enter into the arena that we have the courage um, and the daring, even though there's dangers, okay? And so, because yoga, this is like the ultimate opposite, is that yoga is, siddhi is for, it, 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 siddhi, it means perfection, but it also means power. It means um, coming into force, right? And, um, and so this is yoga. It's, it's an incredibly empowering um, discipline that we adopt to become the person we want to become, to be able to actualize our visions and dreams in this life and make a happy life for ourselves. But also then yoga is dangerous. 
it's difficult. It's like it takes courage to to enter into that, and we risk very um, strong consequences where we can uh, kind of slingshot into perfectionism and feed into this uh, very uh, challenging aspect of ourselves that's uh, constantly trying to give a like this constant report card on accomplishments and how we look and like critical self-evaluation and concern with how others are evaluating us so like becoming hyper conscious hyper competent right and and yet we enter into those waters we we don't ward off the 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 whole thing drive it away because we are able to find the middle. We're able to deal with the opposites. We're able to fight the fight. All right, so to close this, I have a few poems for you, okay? And one, I've, I, I've read it before. You may have heard me, but I love this one and it really applies to this subject. Okay, it's from Hafiz and it's called The Vintage Person, okay? So in, in, in speaking about uh, the, this um, razor's edge walking with um, going too far with excellence, okay? And so it says the difference between a good artist and a great one. Okay, and this, and yoga, as a yogi, this is what we are. That uh, siddhi, to become a siddha is to become a yoga, a yogi, a siddha. And, um, and to gain understanding or reach supreme felicity, to um, reach dexterity. And, um, and also Siddhi is a work of art. And that's your posture, your series, and the way you approach everything you do. Okay, and so the difference between a good artist and a great one is, okay, the novice will often lay down um, his tool or brush, her tool or brush, and then pick up an invisible club on the mind's table and helplessly smash the easels, uh, the jade, or the body, right? If the, the, whatever the subject of the art is, the object of art, they'll smash it and the tools. And, um, and helplessly smash with the invisible club on the mind's table, okay? But the vintage person, the yogi, the great artist no longer hurts themselves or anyone and keeps sculpting light. Love that. Right? So, and we can do it. We can continue to practice, continue to make art, continue to reach for a high pinnacled uh, peak of our personhood and learn not to hurt ourselves, not to smash things up or and hurt others. And yes, it's hard, but we can do it. And then lastly, um, this is from a, the Ball poet and that uh, that uh, 
I love this guy. His name is um, Jadu Bindu. He's one of those gypsy poets of wandering in, in India. And he's speaking to his own uh, mind uh, in a... Here he goes. So he says, Dear one, how can you stumble on a straight, spontaneous path? How can you stumble on a straight, spontaneous path? Be spontaneous to your own self and find the way that is born to you. It's just that simple, right? Be spontaneous in your own self. See, this is the key. We have the, the means within us and, and find the way that is born. We can find the way that is born to us. All right, so in wrapping up uh, this podcast, I, I want to summarize how to avoid falling into the trap of perfectionism. But, um, but I do want to add one last point here that um, that last poem indicated, which was saying to, to look within and find the way that is born to you. And uh, there's something so key to that. And to, like, I find it very telling that the, one of the indications of perfectionism is what they, they call this negative orientation. Right. And it's like um, and that and the opposite is a positive orientation. And to me, that's where the crux of this whole thing lies. Right. So it says that it's it's toxic because this perfectionism is toxic because people um, focus on avoiding failure and and it's so and not believing in unconditional love. Right then, they expect affection and approval from from yourself or from others to be dependent upon the this flawless performance. Right, and so it's but but to have a positive orientation is like yoga. Right, it's it's that you you find this uh, you're you're like going into it with an open attitude of like exploring the very best you can be and it's built in that there's going to be you're going to be imperfect and so you kind of have these built-in safeguards that allow you to have a positive orientation and and the, and that when and also it's like this trust of what's inside of you see that's what i i love so much that the deeper you go inside you will find trustworthy parts. And so there's this joyousness in the search for excellence. And rather than a pressure to succeed that's going to get you approval or love, or, that, or rather than a fear of failure and all these things. Um, and, and so I, I stress it to you that that's part of what the, like when it says to become self-reliant in the, the um, Bhagavad Gita, and when the idea, the definition of ideal is to satisfy your own conception of what is very good and what is um, joyousness. And there's other examples in the yoga, like samadhi itself. The word, the the eighth limb, is absorption, which in one 
in definition is to be enraptured, that you become so absorbed in something because you fall in love with it. And, um, and I think that's the spirit of how to avoid the trap of um, perfectionism. And there's a poem from Kabir that I want to uh, read to you that's so good. And uh, so, especially one line, but he says the bhakti path. And so bhakti is um, devotion to this, um, to, to the, the depths of you, to the sacred part of you that you're really working to um, unearth and express through yoga. So it says the bhakti path winds in a delicate way. And on this path, there's no asking and no not asking. The ego simply disappears the moment you touch him. And then here's the line I want you to see. And the joy of looking for him or her. It could be the him is the self, the deepest part of you, the ultimate you, um, Brahman. So we'll, we'll just change it to her for, the, for today. So the ego simply disappears the moment you touch her. And the joy of looking for her is so immense that you just dive in and coast around like a fish in the water. And the last line, if anyone needs a head, the lover leaps up to offer hers. Um, and Kabir's poems touch on the secrets of this bhakti. And um, so th this is the thing, is that w this is how I try to approach my practice and how I deal with imperfections and, um, and this kind of wanting to get approval from myself or, uh, or, and I stop from going into a negative um, orientation. I just remember that the joy of looking for that uh, pinnacle of consciousness, of um, expression in an asana is so immense that you just dive in and coast around like a fish in the water. Okay, and so, so hopefully that'll help you is to remember the joy of what you're, you're doing. And, um, okay, and now this, I'm gonna try to come up with this, um, <laughs> this quick checklist, okay, of how to avoid the trap of perfectionism. Okay, so, so remember that the, the ideal is to satisfy your own conception, okay, not an outer conception. So if you find yourself um, playing that game with yourself of, um, nothing's right or judging, just remember, you, you're in control, you get to decide, okay? And, and remember that um, I, the ideal is, it's partly what's most suitable and also it's very good, okay? And then also remember that perfection is a, an action or process of improving something, okay? Until it's as flawless as possible. So there's, that's all. You're in a process of improving something, and you're you're tolerant of um, of imperfections, but you're also persistent. Okay, learn from the Bhagavad Gita, that learn that the that the ways of action, like what constitutes skill in action, is difficult to fathom, and and but your best means is to 
get into the action itself and not be attached to the results. Okay, so that so part of the the perfectionism is the uh, this constant report card of accomplishments and looks. Okay, and so you are trying. It's not about accomplishing something when you act. It's not about how you look. Okay, in your posture, right? It's not. You're not trying to get the posture. You're not trying to look good. Okay, you're trying to get into the action itself. Okay, and then also remember that this is a hard path. That you're you're embracing the the fight and the working with these deep opposites w within yourself and and this and so it requires courage and daring okay and courage is um, for one it's to have this the bravery and confidence to do what you believe in okay and and daring is to be old, boldly unconventional okay it's ready to um, to break rules of propriety if that's what you feel inside needs to happen. You're okay with, with being unconventional. Okay, and so it keeps pointing back to that the secrets and the, 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 the solutions, it's all within you. And you can trust that by going in. All right? So there you have it. I, I hope you can... Um, Enjoy this and um, get some good stuff to um, avoid falling into the trap of perfectionism and keep going forward in your yoga path. So remember, I have this uh, second series offering coming up, April 17th and 18th. I would love to have you join in and get some good work in the that intermediate series. And you... If you haven't delved into it much, this is, would be a good workshop because it's step-by-step, uh, step, giving a lot of instructions. But then also, if you do it already, it will help you to kind of widen the scope of what is, what is possible and how you could practice it. Okay, so thank you for joining me. Namaste.